Welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Well, welcome to episode 57. My name is Lindsay Rosado. I'm very excited to be joining um, the Forge team as a host. And today, uh, Ryan Nilsson is here to talk about another Church on Track episode. Uh, this is the uh, latest part of the Church on Track series, and we've talked about different things that, or Brian has really talked about different things that we are, uh, that will get your church off track. And this, now we're talking more about positive sort of small shifts that can get a church back on track. Um, and here there are a few, there are seven, right, Rob, Ryan, seven yep. things that we're covering, um, in this series. The first is from social club to missionary outpost. <laughs> This week's episode is going to be from gathered to scattered. The third is from evangelist to missionary. The fourth is from doing to equipping. The fifth is from committees to teams. The sixth is from unspoken to written. And the seventh is from internal to external. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about some of these terms. What is gathered to scattered? Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. So uh, this is a, a way to uh, kind of help us recalibrate and reset how we think about what the church is and when are we the church. Um, over time, in the last couple of centuries, I think we've come to really have a narrowed view of what church is and when we are effectively being the church. And we, we tend to think of it as primarily when we are gathered together when Christians are together in the same place at the same time, that when, and the things we do there, that's the church and scattered as well. We are separate and apart and in different places. I mean, we've really felt that during COVID like, uh, yeah. Missing those times when we are gathered and, and not having those. It's, it's been, that's been rough. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So those are the two concepts we're talking about today. What we, you know, the church while we are together as believers, but also the church while we are scattered in all kinds of different places. And kind of a great example of this, uh, we find in Acts chapter 7 and 8, really really in Acts chapter 8, where uh, the church is facing persecution and is being scattered. There's a, there's a persecution that breaks out right after Stephen is killed. He's one of the seven that are in charge of in charge of the food distribution for the church. But mm-hmm. Stephen is also, he, these guys that are uh, leading this ministry, they just wind up also preaching the gospel. And Stephen's while doing that and, and he gets killed while he's doing that. So Lindsay, can you start reading right there at, we're going to read Acts uh, seven fifty nine through okay. 8, 8. And if you can start right where Stephen is being killed after having preached. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep and Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. 
Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. No problem. So while this story is about persecution and we're seeing stories about people relocating geographically, that's not really what we're, we're talking about today or saying is necessary, but there are some principles at play here that we really can learn a great deal from. So I want to kind of drill down in, into some of those. So okay, yeah, so we see in this account, like the church is told earlier by, by Jesus to go out, out of Jerusalem to into Judea, the rest of the region, and into Samaria, the neighboring region into the ends of the earth, which is kind of understood to be like the, the known world. But they hadn't yet. The church is growing and it's getting bigger and bigger, but it's still like mostly hunkered down in Jerusalem. And they they weren't going and doing yet what Jesus said they were to do. And persecution was a, a traumatic moment in the life of the church. And yet God used it to trigger movement and change within the church. Mm-hmm. Right? And so... Um, we see as we keep reading through Acts, like this, this is something that um, scattered Christians, they left Jerusalem and they went to all kinds of different places, but they were still the church, even though they couldn't gather, they could never really go back to what they had before. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get together the way they had before either, but they were still the church and they, they'd probably never be gathered in one place again, ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine what that must have felt like? I just a little just bit though, me. kind of right. Like I feel like sometimes this past year has felt a lot like that. It's like, are we ever yeah. going to be able to go back to what it was before? At least that's a question I've thought about. Is like, is church ever going to be the way it was yeah. before? We'll be together, but is it going to feel the same way? Is the experience going to be the same? But um, it's just really, I think, a, a relevant you're thing right. to think about. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Lindsay. Yeah. yeah. So. Even though things would never be the same again, they continue to do the work of the church. Mm-hmm. And we see here, as we read on, like the church grew. So they they go to this Christianity reaches all these other cities, not just in, in Samaria, but in Judea, but the ends of the earth, all around the Roman Empire. And we, we read those stories through the rest of the book of Acts. And the hub of the church, the headquarters, like the capital, eventually it moves on to other cities as Christians go and that scattering continues there are new kind of centers of Christian life, like Antioch and Rome and Alexandria and uh, many other many other cities. And another interesting thing, too, is with the departure of the Christians from Jerusalem, even that their absence in Jerusalem, it may have led to more people becoming followers of Christ in Jerusalem. Hmm. And there's this, there's this interesting verse there. In verse 2, it says, uh, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Mm-hmm. The Christians, you know, they've left, except for, I think, the uh, the apostles, maybe. Yeah, ever, all except the apostles were scattered. It doesn't say the apostles buried him. It says these godly men. And there's, there's some who think that these godly men may have been um, former Pharisees or Pharisees oh. who converted to, we don't know, this is speculation, but yeah, maybe people that Jesus was teaching that were skeptics at the time watching the church grow and face adversity, you know, they, they may have come to faith through this scattering of the church and seeing the church continue hmm. in, in a new way. Yeah. 
That's really interesting. That's an interesting observation. I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying that we pray for persecution or that we focus on you know doing exorcisms. Uh, <laughs> but this part of Acts reminds us like that about some of these truths about who who the church is and when we are the mm-hmm. church that yeah. we see affirmed in other parts of scripture. But I just I I find that little account really fascinating. Yeah, but I know so Ryan. I know you have three points um for how you can what what it means to bring the church from gathered to scattered so um let's move through those the first being we are still the church even when we're not gathered yeah that's right so we we have this huge focus on the gathered moments of the church right so Mm -hmm. when we are going to a worship service we say we are going to church go to church yeah if we're going to the building we say we're going to Church. Church. And that's kind of wrong. We're, you know, we're going to the church's property or we're going to the church's worship service. But it, that kind of shows you how how much emphasis we have we have come to place on the gathered expressions of the church. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not at all talking about dropping out of attending worship. Like, we are clearly called to gather and it is good to be gathered. Absolutely. And actually, you know, sad to say, like, we see a lot of that today during COVID as as we're coming out of the pandemic, some people can't regather for medical reasons, and they're making wise choices to protect loved ones. But there are others who you see, like, we probably all have friends who are like, they're going to ball games and the <laughs> mall and all kinds of these places where there are all these gatherings, but they're not coming to worship to keep safe. And it, and. Yeah. They've kind of gotten out of the habit. And, you know, scripture talks about that too in, in Hebrews 10, 25. Let's, let us not, uh, you know, g- get out of the habit of, of gathering together. Did I just mm-hmm. like totally butcher that verse? Oh, man. Which one? Hebrews 10, 10 25. 25. Do you want me to read it to you? Because I pulled it up just oh, as a precaution. Please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is not the podcast about s- stopping attending worship. And churches have a huge challenge right now to help regather the church. Yeah. And I don't want to minimize that one, but it's so important. It's mm-hmm. so so critical. But we, we have, over the last decades or century, had a really huge focus on the gathered moments of the church. Uh, we, we had an episode uh, very early on in the pandemic where one of our guests said that COVID gives us a chance to put Sunday morning in its rightful place. And it kind of reminds us that, let's put it this way, if we're only the church, if we think that, that we're only the church when we're gathered, we're missing out on a huge part of God's calling yeah. in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So moving on to your second point, um, you say, uh, when we focus solely on being gathered, we miss out on what God has for us. So expand oh, yeah. on that a little bit. <laughs> that is the second point. <laughs> I think I just said, uh, yeah. said something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, when when we over-focus on the worship experience... We risk missing out on realizing that we also have a mission that God has given to us. I think historically we have overfocused on the the gathering of the church and forgotten that that God has given us a mission that necessarily, yes, some of it happens in the worship experience, but much of it mm-hmm. happens outside that. Mm-hmm. 
much of it happens when we are not together, like we see in Acts 8, that that, that preaching of the gospel, that was happening when they were not gathered. And because of that, the church grew. Yeah. You know, in Lutheran circles, like we're, we're a part of a Lutheran family of churches, and uh, the worship service is really important in Lutheranism because that's where we receive word and sacrament, the, the means of grace. We, we believe that God, God delivers his life-giving uh, grace to us through the words of the Bible and through, through communion, through baptism, and we experience those things in our worship services. So it's hugely important. But there's this um, a Lutheran scholar named Dean Natasday, and he, he wrote about this a while ago. And he, he said that we Lutherans have confused the ministry means with the ministry ends. In other words, we have, we have looked at, I think what he's saying is that word and sacrament, gathering for worship, is the means by which we accomplish the ministry ends, mm-hmm. the, the, our mission and purpose. And we've mistakenly said it's the ends. Like we've come to think the purpose of being a Christian is to gather for worship. Mm-hmm. But really, we're gathering for worship so that we can go and accomplish our purpose. It's interesting to think about too from sort of a private versus public perception of faith, because I think maybe part of why we focus on our attendance at these gatherings is that that's what people see. Right. So it's very yeah. like, oh, yeah. Sorry if this is a little yep. bit of a tangent, but like, yeah. I'm, I'm perceived as being a good Christian, quote unquote, because I'm, I'm there at a gathering. And if that no longer becomes a barometer for, for my public perception of my faith, like, what, what's the rest of it for? It's just an interesting idea on yeah. like how we perform our faith, I think. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, and you actually can think about that in another way too. Church attendance has dropped you know, significantly over the last few decades, really mm-hmm. since the 1960s. And I think at the beginning of that time period, it was seen to be culturally preferable to be a part of, to attend a church, Yep. to be a member of a church and to go every Sunday. It raised your standing in the community. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, um, we, we really live in a post-Christian society where, uh, not only will you, you, you probably won't be regarded, you may not be regarded highly for attending a church. You may actually mm-hmm. be regarded with inferiority mm-hmm. and seen as morally inferior if you attend a church. Mm-hmm. And so those who have attended for cultural reasons, for, you know, that they're of a nominal faith or they've done it for, because it, it looks good. A lot of those people have stopped, stopped participating. There's mm-hmm. no, they thought that was the benefit. Yeah. And so they they've discovered that that really there's no benefit there. So they stopped mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. There's I know you you have a book recommendation too, Ryan, but my, I th- this is now totally me just talking to you being on a team. Yeah. Well, let's hear it. <laughs> but um there's a great book by uh I know Dave Kinnaman is involved in it, and I, but it's called Faith for Exiles, and it's about this like movement away from the gathering of the church oh, and what okay. it. Yeah, it's a really interesting read, especially now that gathering is defined differently. Like we yeah. can't do it the same way. So w- losing that behavior, what does it do? But that sounds great. Getting we'll, back on track. <laughs> yeah, we'll put the. We're really good at getting our show about being on track, off track, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, um, and we'll, get, we'll get that in the show notes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a good book. We I we it's um one of the people we work with at Lead NYC has uh he he's 
presented about it multiple times. So I've I've read it a few times now, and I I always take something away cool. from it, especially because it's talking about the generational movement away from church. So like looking at yeah. boomers versus millennials versus Gen Xers, and like what does that oh, look wow. like? But oh, that really sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last last thing I want to say about this point before we move on, Lindsay is. I, I think understanding this, it, it doesn't diminish worship. I think it raises, it elevates its importance and significance it, mm-hmm. because going to worship is not the purpose of being a Christian. I think it heightens what happens at, in worship. So we when we gather, when we gather for worship, we, we are renewed, mm-hmm. we are re-equipped, we are reformed for the work that God has prepared for us. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. the work that he's called us to do mostly when we're not together, when we're scattered, when we're alone, we're out in the community and we're when we love people, we we hurt with them. When we look to have spiritual conversations with people, it may not always go well. Um all that you know, we come back kind of we may come back beat up, frazzled, discouraged or just tired. Even if everything's gone well, we can just be tired. And so when we come back together for worship, uh, we are, our tanks get filled back up and mm-hmm. we experience God's grace and renewal and forgiveness, not simply for the sake of basking in it, but because we need it mm-hmm. and we can leave encouraged for the week ahead for the mission that God has for us for that, that week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's very interesting. So thirdly, church members need us to empower them for their calling as the church scattered. So why don't you expand on that? Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. Um, I got to work on like shorter, catchier. That's the, these aren't very. They don't rhyme. They're not alliterative. But you know, yeah, they're saying something important. All right, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening and you're a leader in your church, whether you're a pastor, elder, or a ministry leader, a team member, if you're actively serving in the church, the people in the, in our churches are they're they're look, counting on us to help them see and understand and be equipped for their calling as the church scattered for all the things that that God has in store for us to do that happen when we're not all together. It, this can be hard to see because all of our ministries and programs have been built on being able to count on many church members to be able to give, you know, five to 10 hours a week of their leisure time mm-hmm. to volunteer in the church. And we have seen people have less and less of that time, or they, they are going to give less and less of that time. We have also seen like lots of families go from single income families to dual income families. And so we, you know, we have fewer families, we have fewer um, families where there's a, a, you know, a stay at home mom that can come and bring the kids to church and, you know, volunteer a whole day in the middle of the week to, to yeah. do whatever. And yet our ministry model is kind of built on that, like that we're going to do what we do as a church when we're gathered through the programs that we run. Mm-hmm. So we can really empower people for their calling instead of making them feel guilty that they're not going to come and volunteer on the committee or the program that we have, that we can refocus our teaching instead of us using their leisure time for volunteer hours, that instead we help them to be the church at home, at work, and at play. And I I think this really greatly increases our chances of impacting the community. If you Mm -hmm. think about, you know, when we're together on Sunday morning, we're all in the same building, in the same spot in town. And if we think that's where we're going to impact our community, it's not likely. That's not likely the first place, right? But we think about if you could put a, a map of your town 
and put a you know a thumbtack where each person of your church is Wednesday at 11 a.m. People are in their homes, in their neighborhoods, at work, all over the place. That's where, and that's where they're going to rub shoulders with people in the community. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going to impact our communities, share the gospel, join God in His mission. So, helping people recognize opportunities at home and at work are really important. Teaching people how to have conversations about their spirituality, just teaching people how to how to get to know their neighbors. Many times, people in our churches, because we we've we're so we've so stressed the gathered aspect of our church that we've resocialized them that many people in our churches no longer have friends that aren't Christians. Like all their friends are friends yeah. at church. Yep, absolutely. I see I see that happening every day. I think that's a very natural thing to happen. Yeah. And it is, yeah. Yeah. I know of a church that one summer they offered uh, many grants, like 50 bucks or 100 bucks if you want to have a neighborhood cookout. If you want to have a cookout at your house and invite your neighbors, no agenda, no like yeah. uh, gotcha gospel presentation <laughs> just spend like, time with your neighbors like one of those timeshare things where it's like yeah. you can have a free vacation but we have to sell this to you for three hours in the middle of one of your days uh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah none of that just have a meal with your neighbors cook them a meal yeah so they would say if you're gonna do that here here's a hundred bucks or 50 bucks and you know we'll, yeah. we'll pay for the food that that kind of thing can have a real huge impact i think also Getting back to teaching a theology of vocation, mm-hmm. your work, whatever work it is you do, that's a calling that God has placed in your life. And it's a place where you serve him and honor him. Mm-hmm. You know, recapturing an understanding of that is really powerful. There's a guy named, an author named Neil Hudson who talks about helping people see their, what he calls their front lines, that that when, they, when we're scattered, we're out at the front lines of our mission fields, at home, at work, in our neighborhoods, at community events. Those are places of significance where God is working in people's lives and hearts, and we get to encounter them there and become a part of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, COVID has restricted us in a lot of ways, and it's given our churches opportunities to do this kind of stuff in new ways. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, unfortunately, the data sh- seems to be showing that most churches during this time have become more and more inwardly focused and more and more focused on trying to regather. But it's not too late to find ways, new opportunities to be the church as we're scattered. Mm-hmm. You know, because people are still leery about getting together in buildings and coming together for big programs. But, you know, talking over the fence with your neighbor, that your connections at work and at home, those are the, the things that are going to start happening again first. And there are so many great opportunities there. We don't want we don't want to miss them. And it's not too late for your church to equip your people to be the church scattered during this unique time where people have people in our neighborhoods have experienced trauma, loss potentially abuse during this time, loss of, of income, they're facing Probably death. mental health, mental health oh, ramifications as yeah. well. Yeah. God's calling us to be engaged with our neighbors during this time, mm-hmm. like uh, in a new way that wasn't maybe the case a year ago. Mm-hmm. And But like you said, it's still under the, the umbrella of the church. Like we are still the church, even though we're scattered yeah. in that way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right, Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Ryan, you have a book recommendation, am I right? I do have a book recommendation. What did I do with it? Okay, so today's book I'm recommending is um, Imagine Church, Releasing Whole Life Disciples by Neil Hudson. We'll put that in the show notes. But this book basically gives you, this guy has like a whole pathway for how your church can begin to gradually influence these kinds of changes in your church. 
And Lindsay, what was that book you mentioned again? The book I mentioned is called Faith for Exiles, and it's by David Kinneman and Mark Matlock. They wrote a couple other books like Unchristian and You Lost Me, and it's all about this movement away from the church and looking at it in a generational viewpoint of like what, what's different between the boomers and the millennials and Gen Xers and Gen Zers. And it's just uh, interesting to see. And, and they actually call it five ways for a new generation to follow Jesus in a digital Babylon. And this was written wow. before the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is, I think, churches have gotten exponentially more digital <laughs> in the last year. And so yeah. I'd love, yeah, it's, it's a good read. It's very uh, insightful. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah, thanks for the recommendation. No problem. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, I am just thrilled to be here again. Just thrilled to be thrilled to be a part oh, of it. Uh, love to talk. Yeah. Thank you. Loving, uh, love talking to Ryan today. Thank you just so much for your insight into um, what really is a very modern dilemma for the church. And um, don't forget to subscribe. To, we'd love it if you'd share the podcast with friends, colleagues, anyone you think who could benefit from the message. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.